This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips and proven frameworks and share ways to help you delight your customers. I've been doing some research on what's most important to business leaders, and I've heard three major themes. Number one, their employees are burned out and feel overwhelmed. Number two, they're concerned about customer retention. And number three, they want to address customer friction, whether it's controllable or not, but they need actionable results. As a result, I've created the 120-day Quick Start, a four-step program designed to go from current state assessment to specific strategies to get you actionable results in 120 days. If you want to make a quick impact, check out EmpoweredCX.com for more information. I'd love to talk to you. Scenario where I brought a chair onto stage and stenciled onto the back of the chair was the word customer, right? So this is sitting up on the stage as I'm coming up to the podium and I'm talking to the chair just like Clint Eastwood was talking to the chair in, in this, his thing. It was um, a way to engage the audience about um, representing the customer always, whether they're in the room or virtually so, uh, that we had to shift our perspective from an inside out to an outside in. And, and I think that struck about to this day, many years later, I am so excited today to have my guest, Rich Dorfman from Eastern Bank on the podcast. Uh, Rich is a friend uh, that helped me get my feet uh, in the ground, so to speak, when I first started at Sandy Spring Bank. He was at Eastern Bank in Boston, and we were uh, he had already, I think, jumped onto a platform called Allegiance back then, and I was deciding you know what would be the best choice for us to go with and he was a tremendous trailblazer for me and a guide and rich himself is interesting because he has such a varied background and how he got into the role that he's in now uh, in such a great bank at eastern uh, in the boston area but he was uh, did everything from marketing for a packaging company he worked for liberty mutual he was involved in uh, in like underwriting there. He worked for several banks and then he ended up, so he's been in banking since 1990, 32 years and has a tremendous amount of experience. He was really at, at Eastern at the outset of the CX program there and uh, is really a good friend. And we're excited to have a conversation, get some insights to someone who's actually walking the walk. I love it. A CX practitioner. Welcome, Rich, to the show. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mentioned in the opening there, you've done all these different things um, from insurance adjuster to, uh, to marketing person. You went back, got your MBA, and then you ended up in, in banking. Um, tell us how, what led, what led you to this, the world of CX? 
Well, prior to my current role, Mark, I, I consider myself a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, part of my own personal journey of self-discovery. You know, coming out of school, undergrad school, I didn't know what I didn't know, like a lot of young grads do. And, you know, found a, a job that, you know, gave me a company car. And I said, that's good, you know, and a good training program. My parents love that. So, um, and it, it got me close to customers in a way, the, the, the claimants and customers of the insurance company. Um, as I kept learning more about me and, and my world around me and staying centered to the, the interest of people, um, sales drew me in for a bunch of years. Um, I got into my, and I'm an entrepreneur uh, at heart, I learned. So I started with others, my own barter company at one point. So financial services of a sort, or trading of goods and services, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, led me to my marketing degree because I had a little bit of marketing in that role. And I said, let me get it official. So I went back to my MBA and that launched truly into my marketing career. And I consider myself a marketer because I love research. I love understanding customer behavior. Um, I translated that into a packaged goods role in New York and uh, working on products, uh, Dixie plates and cups. And I loved it for a while until I realized, you know, I'm not really close to customers. Um, the stop and shops of the world, perhaps, but not the customers who are actually buying your products. So I answered an ad in the New York Times that, to, you know, come be a marketer at, at a bank. And I said, okay, that's a little different. And, and I, I, I found that that was tremendous because you really do get to know your customers. It was a B2B role. I learned about, you know, what it took to understand the needs of a complex group of customers, business customers, or even more complex than consumer customers, because they're both. And that led me to research and insight gathering. And in order to create value for a segment, you really need to understand them, walk in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So maybe I was thinking I was a CX person before there was even a CX discipline. Mm -hmm. But moving quickly, um, I, I brought my family up here, uh, still in banking, um, had another um, consultancy, my own practice in marketing consultancy. Eastern was my client uh. before they were my employer. And I said, this is a great brand. Um, and when the recession hit in 2008, and, you know, it was a little hard to get business at that point, uh, it just juxtaposed my employer offered me a second consultancy with a little bit of a twist. The CMO who hired me said, Rich, we really love the way you ask questions and bring intelligence to our organization. The board just approved a new role called customer intelligence. And essentially, it's to help our business line leaders make better, smarter, faster decisions based on data, based on marketplace and customer intelligence. Um, we need that. Are you interested? Sign me up, I said. And that was my discovery to where I am now, which led to the discovery of CX Mark. Because in that role, as I was introducing myself to business leaders and asked them what they're doing, what they're trying to learn, spouting all kinds of data that they had about their customers operationally, how long, how many, where they, what channels they use. As a researcher, I asked this question, 
So why do people bank with you? Or why do they not have all of their banking assets with you if they don't have all of them? Yeah. Blank stares hmm. at that point. They didn't know. And that to me as a, an opportunist, uh, I said, well, I think we have an opportunity to learn about those kinds of behavioral things. What I later came to learn as experiential insights. And that was for me an aha moment. Hmm. And that led to my self-discovery about net promoter system and the CX discipline and all of the foundational stuff behind CX that today is the industry that it is. And, and it's still evolving. But back 13 years ago, when this was a self-discovery, I knew then, and I know even more now, Mark, that this is a space where I belonged. I just didn't know it until many years into my career. Well, and you came to that conclusion um, based on kind of who you were. Like it, 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 it was who you were, what's what you believed in. It just didn't really have a name yet. And it just kind of evolved, right? Not, yes. And, you know, the funny thing is when I talk to CX practitioners across the globe, and I do all the time because that's my network, everyone comes to this discipline in their own unique way. But right. the common frame is, is that intellectual curiosity, the energy that they get from understanding people and how their behaviors uh, manifest to help create uh, uh, the connection to the brand. We're all built largely the same way. We're these optimists and these researchers who try to understand and leverage what goes on inside folks' heads relative to what makes them happy and what creates loyalty. Because that's when you know those things, know how to extract those things, and they're always changing, by the way, so you're never done your learning. But when you have the process down, you know, it's the old adage, uh, feed me once, or, or you know, if you, you give me a you fish, give me a fish, you know, you feed me once, if you mm -hmm. teach me how to fish, you feed me for life. Yeah, I think CX practitioners are the latter. Um, we help our organizations, you know, sustain themselves based on this constant feeding of insight. Hmm. Very true. Very well said. So, so Rich, you have been 13 years or so in, in the field and, and at Eastern Bank that long, right? Yes. And, and so we have the benefit of looking through your lens and saying, okay, what were the mountaintops? What were the potholes? Uh, what were the highs? What were the lows? And you think about the mountaintops, let's start there. What, were, what was like a moment that you can point to or a, an accomplishment that you say, you know, that was, a, that was a huge win for us. I'm really proud of that. When I look back on my career, that'll be one of the highlights. There were a bunch. One of the highlights, though, is uh, the, the time in which I was invited uh, to speak at our quarterly management meeting. Uh, this is a big deal. This is all the officers and up. It's a, at least a third of the company. Mm -hmm. um, and folks at my level typically were not invited to do this. But management team, the board uh, felt that um, CX was, you know, in its rising um, um, momentum and wanted to bring to the larger organization what it is that I do. So within a 10 or 12 minute presentation, I, um, I, I came to this quarterly management meeting and it was following immediately the Academy Awards back in the day. 
um, and I and I took a um, a little page out of that scenario where I brought a chair onto stage, and mm. stenciled onto the back of the chair was the word customer. Right. So this is sitting up on the stage as I'm coming up to the podium, and I'm talking to the chair just like Clint Eastwood was talking to the <laughs> chair in, in this his thing. And it was um, a way to engage the audience about um, representing the customer always, whether they're in the room or virtually so, uh, that we had to shift our perspective from an inside out to an outside in. And, and I think that struck about to this day, many years later, people talk about that customer chair experience. But it was an important milestone, not just for the organization, but for me, because it, it gave me a little bit of credibility about this thing called customer experience. It was never on anybody's job description, per se, before, but that helped uh, bring that more to that reality, where now CX is part of job descriptions. It is part of what your accountability is, not just the KPIs that you all know and love, how many sales, what kind of profit, but what are your customers saying about how you're doing? Mm -hmm. That was a turning point. And I, and I think we're still working toward that, but in any organizational um, effort, you know, you have to point to one, that's, that's a key moment. And, and, and I keep trying to lever new ones like that. Yeah. Well, I, I love the chair story because um, it is, you immediately made me think of this, this book by Dan and uh, Chip Heath called Made to Stick. And in, in the book, they talk about why some ideas survive and others die. And they have this simple formula, which is an acronym of success with only one S at the end called simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional stories. Mm -hmm. And I think about the chair, you know, that's an unexpected thing. Like who's walking up there and has a, a physical chair uh, that they're talking to. I love the timeliness of it with the Clint Eastwood and Academy Awards. But uh, really, it's, it's a sticky thing that it reminds me that it's important for us, right? Would you agree that leaders, we, we can't just hit them with numbers and data and facts, but we really have to simplify it. And what, what beautiful what more of a beautiful way to say there's an empty chair. Imagine there's a customer with you in the room, wherever you're talking about strategy. Every customer has a story and that's, that's, that's key. And in fact, storytelling not only is an art, it is probably the most compelling thing that as a CX practitioner, you, 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 you need to come with because you're right, Mark, um, you know, banks, love their numbers you know that mm -hmm. they absolutely you know fall in love with this metric or that number and but numbers do not tell the story they just they're just the dashboard of what direction you're going or how fast um, but it doesn't tell you why you're going mm -hmm. where you're going or even really how you're going until you get behind that and that's a story um, and people make decisions certainly by numbers, but mostly by their emotion. And in banking, it's all about trust because it's not a product, as you know, you can hold and share with somebody in a physical way. It's, it's, it's this psychological thing around your well-being, your financial well-being. And if you don't have trust 
And trust is earned by the ability to connect with your customers in a way that's meaningful, Mm -hmm. in a way that demonstrates the brand understands you and provides solutions for the things that will get you what you need, whether it's the saving for your kid's college or to buy that first home or for anything. You, You need to be able to tell those stories, the things that go well. You want to celebrate those successes. Let's do more of those things. And the things that don't go so well, why? And how can we fix them so that the next time they do? Well, this speaks- is all part of the discipline. And, and this is part of why, why it's everyone's responsibility to delight a customer. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole other really good point that uh, we could we can maybe uh, – have a whole nother podcast about why it's everybody's uh, story because it is true. Everybody's a link in the, in the chain. Right. But I wanted you, you talk about the, the challenges. So I, I would love for you to then hit the flip side of it and share with us a pothole. What, what are, what's a moment that, um, you know, maybe, maybe you, you took and you got involved in an initiative or a project or something, or, or went down this road. Maybe you could save uh, someone who's just starting out or even someone who's been, a CX leader or a business leader at some point, the, the, the angst and the worry of having to go through something like that. We all have potholes. Some are small, they're little bumps. Some are so shattering, you, you think you broke your axle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. For an axle-breaking moment, um, it was another meeting. It wasn't a town hall meeting, but it was a senior board, a senior management level meeting. Um, and, and I was following the, the J.D. Power uh, guy who was talking about our, our brand. And the numbers were starting to get a little soft from where they used to be. And I saw them. And I wanted to do a little bit of a wake-up call, not quite the customer chair, but I wanted to help our management team not feel so complacent because our scores have been pretty good. Our humans do very good work. But I wanted to shake things up a little bit in this presentation. I was looking at, we were probably five or six years into our CX journey at this point, and we were kind of stuck in a lot of ways. So I wanted to talk about, you know, this was on the heels of our Eastern Bank labs, and then we were going into Eastern 2.0 in our labs. So I, I, my, my, my talk was around CX 2.0, mm-hmm. and where the vision, at least I was, having of, of where we need to be. And, you know, I, I put together some slides about, you know, look at some of the trends here. We're not necessarily moving in the right direction. It was a little bit of a wake-up call. At least I thought it was. Um, it wasn't doom and gloom, but it was talking about if we really want to do this right, and we talk about differentiation, you know, we're not we're a commoditized business. We're not going to win on price. It's got to be on the way we delight our customers. And essentially, my talk was, if we don't do this better than everybody else, we're not going to be around for the long haul because others are going to discover this and act on it. And we have to lean into this and and do it right. Hmm. Well, I think I went a little too heavy in that message because I wasn't sure that I was going to be around the next day because, (laughs) you know, they like to hear positive stories. Not that this wasn't positive, Mark. But it was, it was saying, don't think you're as good as you think you are. Um, yeah. We, yeah. we need to always be better. And we always need to be focused on looking at what 
customers say we are, not what we say we are. And not everyone was quite ready for that message. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me back. I never stopped, but I had to recalibrate because maybe it was the way the story got told that I learned the lesson from. So what would you have done differently? Yeah, I think I would have been a little softer. And I would have probably brought a customer into the room mm. to help tell that story, not just the research guy or the CX guy. Nice. Because sometimes the way and the who is delivering the story is the way it really makes a difference by the receiving it. You know, that's, this is a really interesting point is part of what we, we need to do our, part of our, our job, right, as CX leaders is change, right? Something needs to change to improve the experience for our customers. Yes. And in order, to, in order to get change to happen, you have to disrupt, right? It, whether, and so the, the, the whole point of how you go about that is critical. Yes, it is critical. And, and sometimes if you can't change at the very top of the house, because perhaps the CEO is not quite there yet, um, that doesn't mean you're doomed. It makes the challenge harder. Yeah. But if the pers- if you're not a persistent um, individual, CX is probably not your discipline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to have not just a thick skin. You have to have an, a, a determination. Um, and, and that is me. I mean, I'm an athlete, a Division One athlete, and you had to persevere to get to that level. And so you just find another way to do it. Hmm. And so from that pothole moment, I said, okay, let me work at the business line itself. Get those personal connections going with the head of business banking and the head of retail and wealth and insurance and build credibility there. Become a known entity within their world. Be at their staff meetings. Ask a lot of good questions. Listen twice as hard as you speak. And have them understand that you are their insight partner, just like they have an HR partner or a marketing partner or a tech partner. I position from that moment on, let me be your insight partner. And I, I created this framework of imagine if you just had perfect knowledge. I wish I knew. Fill in the blank, business line leader. I wish I knew. If I had all of my customers or a representative sampling of them and I can ask them anything, what would I want to know from them? And I had them think that way. And then based on that expression, together we built the insight requirements to get those answers. And when they had those answers, it fundamentally shifted not just how they marketed, or how they organize, but even to the way we productize our stuff and the way we even work with our internal stakeholders. EX became just as much a conversation here as CX did. Mm -hmm. So in other words, working your crowd, working with them, becoming a partner to them in every sense of the word. And then when the, the insights were delivered and then acted on, and then we reassessed and they saw scores go up and the business line succeed more, that trust got more value to them. And in the early days when I was reaching out to them for projects, now it's the reverse. They're coming back to me, Rich, can you help me do this? This is another area, IWIC, that I want to solve for. Can you help me? 
that's the transitory um, positioning that, that I have gone through. And to this day, it's very, very successful. Yeah. So I just want to affirm one thing that, that you shared and then uh, come back to this idea of perseverance as a CX pro. So um, you were talking about this inside partner. That's a great term. If you're listening and you're thinking about, gee, how should I view myself within the organization? If you think of yourself as an inside partner, among other things, um, it's a lot less threatening and it's, it's a lot more value add. Um, I, so after a lot of perseverance and some, some different challenges over a number of years that we'll call potholes, um, one, one, of the, one of the things that one of our departments knew, knew was an issue on, on the business side of the bank was client onboarding. And particularly the area that involved treasury management. And because there's a number of things that happen um, when you're a business client and you onboard with a bank that involve a number of different services that you have to switch over. If typically someone's got a banking relationship, so they're switching to you. So that's the good news. But they knew there was a lot of pain associated with it. Was it a bandwidth issue? Was it a technology issue? And um, to help justify the additional resources they need, which has ended up being like a combination of people and a shift in technology, um, they came to us and asked us to survey clients and how could we help them out. We talked through doing things like IDIs, in-depth interviews, and came up with uh, some data that supported the fact that um, while most were, were happy there were some particular areas that were pain points and for the conversations we then had with employees, because that's part of the research, right? It, who were serving, they were like going through hoops to make that onboarding experience seamless uh, to, to the customers. But the reality is they were burning out and they couldn't always succeed given the fact that they didn't, they didn't have the tools they needed. They didn't have the information they needed, et cetera. So from that point on, you know, we became an ally. And, and I'm sure you've got stories like that where, you know, they, it took perseverance. And then eventually they said, we, we're, we're coming to you, Rich, because we know we've got a problem. Can you help us? Absolutely. You, you, need, to un, you need to be part of the the depth of the organization that you're trying to serve. You, you can't be an outsider in CX and hope to succeed. It's showing up, understanding, being part of the conversation. Here's an example. Um, my, my role used to report into marketing years ago. Uh, now it, got moved, it was moved about five years into, ago into the customer service organization, the call center. So, so my boss runs the contact center and has done so for 20 plus years. And during COVID, it became even more challenging for our colleagues to do what they had to do. And by the way, you know, things like fraud just went through the roof because fraudsters got more and more creative. Mm -hmm. So as my boss was holding these, you know, uh, local town hall meetings, you know, the all things, just what's on your mind, what came up? Fraud, 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 day, day out and out. These are more voluminous, more complicated, more ingenious fraud techniques. And pain point after pain point, both externally and internally. Anyway, so uh, I heard this, I sit in these, these meetings as well. So I suggested to, to my manager, I said, 
how about if we do a focus group or a couple of them and invite various level folks within our contact center to talk about you know, fraud, how they manage it, what tools they use, what resources they have used, what communication, what departments they depend upon and really kind of get under the hood. Long story short, we learned a lot. Uh, we're still learning. One of the biggest outcomes from that was, this is such a deep, challenging conversation. Perhaps the most complex one of any in the entire call center. Um, the, the, the decision to create a separate fraud squad developed. And it was a pilot. We had a couple, three people do that. Now it's about six or eight people. And this is, these are the highest end call center associates because these calls can be an hour long. Wow. Um, and even if they're less, they're very emotionally charged. Mm. So the humans on our end that are dealing with the humans on the other end have deep empathy, number one, and highly skilled techniques. I call them the magicians because they have five different applications open at the same time across three giant monitors. And, and like the person spinning 12 plates all at once, they keep this customer... Um, as, as calm as possible while we're trying to solve for the issues. And this fraud squad is amazing. And it's the outcome of just listening, being attuned to the organizational needs. You know, you have to get under the hood and you have to be willing to get your hands a little dirty, mm. right? So whether it's focus groups or listening in, we do uh, employee roundtables, um, in-depth interviews, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, social listening, you have to have all of your listening ears going, not just the, the we ask, you tell in our surveys, which we do very well and do a lot of, by the way. But as I've talked about in, in, in various forums, you, you have many different resources or tools in your CX toolkit. Don't just pull out the survey. Figure out what it is. What is that IWIC? What are you trying to solve for? Mm -hmm. Qualitative, quantitative. And, and align with your partner um, the, the right methodology. And that's part of being a good researcher too, understanding how to attack that, that gap in knowledge with the right tool that's going to best bring it out. Um, and, and then worked collaboratively with your partners in helping get to it. Because you don't want to just get to the end of a presentation and said, I don't know where that came from or how it got there. That would be a mistake. And I've done that too. You want to you want to be aligned from the get-go on what you're trying to learn, how you want to learn it, and what will you do with what you learn once you learn it. And then close the loop on it and do it. And then lather, rinse, repeat. Keep going. It never ends. Mm -hmm. So there's a perseverance that's required. For sure. <laughs> And, and you've seen the fruits of, of your perseverance come to life uh, later on in your career, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. You know, it, it's still a work in progress. Um, you know, Eastern Bank's CX maturity is growing. Um, everyone knows now what promoters and detractors are and what they actually mean and how to get more of the former and work by removing more of the latter uh, through, you know, closed loop, we now have 15 to 20% of our employee base have access to our platform. 
So while we are two or three people as a CX team in a brand that has 2,200 employees, over 350 of them have the ability to now self-serve in terms of insight through good dashboards, the case management protocols, uh, because two people can't really do this well uh, across 15 different business lines and support groups. So we're teaching them how to fish uh, for the insight that they need to drive their businesses forward and to build loyalty, both external loyalty and internal loyalty. They go hand in glove. And then and the next mountaintop is really doing that, connecting employee experience with customer experience. Because if anything COVID has taught us and the great resignation has been as an outgrowth, you know, you don't want to lose your talent base. Um, you need to understand how to not only hire and train and onboard, but to keep good people. And you, you got to make sure their voices are heard, listened to, and acted on just as much as you lean into the customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great resource there. It should not be overlooked. For sure. Yeah. Well, Rich, um, why, don't we, why don't we land the plane here with, uh, with the last question I have, which is something I like to ask all my guests, and I never know what we're going to hear, but it's always interesting. And that is, um, when you think about a turning point, a turning point in your life, uh, a turning point, you, maybe it could be in your career that shifted for you personally, um, your life. You know, what, what would you say? What, what could you look back and point to, whether it was something personal or professional? That's a great question. Um, and, you know, you could tell you're a CX person because CX folks know how to ask good questions. And I appreciate that one. Um, the turning point in my life, really professional life, let's put it that way, was when I, I, I had more than one, but certainly one business line leader have that light bulb shift where they were very reluctant to engage with, you know, the feedback loop. Um, it had been for a long time. I know best. We're good. Our numbers are fine. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bother them. Mm -hmm. And there was a fear factor of asking questions, of getting feedback for fear of what they might know. And I said, okay, I get it. You know, it's challenging. That perseverance, that let's try it. People are going to think what they're going to think anyway. Wouldn't it be better to know rather than to guess what people are thinking so you could do something about it? Okay, let's try it. And once they got that reluctance removed and in that follow-on when the insights started coming to light and some ahas started to percolate, and more importantly, when the action items suggested were actually put into place and yeah. then the customers reacted, thank you for listening to me mm -hmm. and to acting on what you heard. And they came back to me and says, Rich, thank you. Thank you for not letting me take the easy way out. And thank you for opening up my lens to hear the voices that maybe I was not willing to listen to before mm. and and that to me was yes a convert we have somebody who gets it and that person helped get other converts because they were significantly high in the organization 
and they share these good stories with their colleagues. And, uh, I, and I think that's part of what a CX practitioner needs to do. Find those moments where you have made a difference in, in an important person's life uh, who have, has influence and they help you evangelize what we know to be the, the right thing to do, the way, right way for businesses to act. And every one of those converts makes your job easier. And when I realized that, I said, you know what? It would be great to have the CEO and the board and everything pulling up the strings. I'd love that. Trust me, that would be a, make my job and all of our jobs a lot easier. But absent that, build alliances. Find your partners who are willing to embrace this great vision of customer-centered behavior and help them be your best advocates. That's my turning point. That's my story. Mm, a great story and a great, great reminder to you know, persevere. Uh, persevere in what you believe you know is true. Persevere in taking those emotional risks and having those difficult conversations. We learned earlier when Rich was uh, humble enough to share some of the pothole moments is it does matter how you approach and timing is important as well. But don't don't stop doing that because um, we're change agents, right? And there's there's going to be resistance to change, especially in the banking world. You could you imagine? We both work for organizations that were over 150 years old. So yes. if you, if whatever would and highly regulated, right? So if whatever industry you're in, it can't be much worse than that. When when in terms of change resistance, and yet. You know, Rich is here after 13 years to tell you that after, you know, pounding on the door for so many years, things like the net promoter system, closed feedback loop, um, things like getting his initiatives approved, things like everyone knows what a promoter and a tractor is now and 30, 350 people are on, on the system. It means these light bulbs are going off for people and I used to think of it as, you know, 1,100 light bulbs, you had 1,100 employees, one at a time, because I do believe that when someone's light bulb goes on, it stays on. There's nothing going to change that person from thinking, oh, customer experience isn't important, or my role in the delivery of that for our customers isn't important. I've never seen that happen. So um, wouldn't you agree that, you know, the perseverance pays off? Yes. And... Someday when I retire, um, my hope is, is that I've left a little bit of a, a legacy, a little bit of a DNA into the organization so that the, when I pass the baton on, that that next runner will have a little bit less wind mm. in his or her face because, you know, being that uh, icebreaker um, is hard. It's hard work, yeah. um, but it's rewarding work. When you, when you finally start seeing a path forward um, and, and when people are starting to come to you, like I mentioned, um, and they recognize the role that you're playing and it's a vital role to how they succeed, then you know that you've made a difference and hopefully will continue to do so. Well, excellent. Rich, thanks so much for, for being on the show. Uh, great insight, great gems, great wisdom from someone who's been there, who's still currently walking the walk. Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and just to check in and say hello or ask you a question, what would be the best way? Uh, email me. Always open to talking to uh, anyone about this uh, subject. R.Dorfman, D-O-R-F-M-A-N, 
at easternbank.com. Reach out to me. Happy to chat. Excellent. Thanks again, Rich. My pleasure, Mark. You be well. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.